Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. So at the beginning of the show today, I want you to go ahead and remember the last time that you were missing some sort of insight or knowledge that you knew that you needed. What was it that you did to get that insight? What was it that you did to get that knowledge? Did you try to reinvent the wheel? Did you try to do it by yourself or did you find someone to help you get where you wanted to go? Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to someone who has developed a rapid cycle learning methodology to help people gain the insight and wisdom from the people around them. And we're going to be talking about that methodology in just a second, as well as a little bit more about our guest. But first, do you want to accelerate your leadership success? There's a way you can do that for free, and it's called the Mind Scan. This assessment is an inventory based on the Nobel-nominated Hartman Value Profile, and it measures your capacity to make value judgments concerning you and the world around you. Instead of simply understanding how you behave, it objectively measures why you behave the way you do. Align your thinking strengths with your leadership goals by applying to take the Mind Scan today. All you need to do is apply by emailing community at lifeasleadership.com. You'll get a unique link and the opportunity to review your results. Both the assessment and review call are totally free. If you want to understand the how and why of your decision making, in order to more quickly get the results you want, the Mind Scan can be your next step to success. Once again, community at lifeasleadership.com. Now, on to today's interview. Our guest today is an author, entrepreneur, investor, and board member with more than two decades of success in executive leadership positions. He's now dedicated to helping senior leaders get unstuck on the major growth challenges to their businesses. He previously served as the CEO of the Atlanta-based Assurance Solutions, a subsidiary of the Fortune 500 Assurance Incorporated. During his tenure, he led Assurance digital transformation and expansion into a global enterprise with a presence in 25 new markets around the world. He has a new book called Unstuck that will be released this summer. Here is Craig LeMasters. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Uh, terrific. Thanks for having me today, Josh. Look forward to sharing some thoughts with you. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from you today, learning from your leadership experience. But before we get started with the core of our interview, I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? I am ready. Fire away. All right. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I think, I think the lesson I've always followed back on is really around one word, and that's belief. I think um, it's very important for me to believe in what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, believe in the people that I'm doing it with. That's, that's really been my go-to. I think we can find purpose in most things uh, if we pause and find that purpose. So that, that's been my go-to for many, many years. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... A leader is, number one, humble, 
Number two, intentional. And number three, gritty. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? The one question that I use, and I love, I love this question, actually, Josh, the one question that I use that a very wise person taught me almost 25 years ago is when you walk into work every day, is there somebody on your team that you wish would resign today? Mm. It's one of the hardest things we do as a leader is make people changes. And if you look at the data and the surveys and all this stuff is, was the one thing you would do different as a leader? And it was always the same answer. I would make the hard people decision sooner uh, than I I did. And so that question has really helped me. Is there somebody you wish that would resign? Because that means you probably need to make a change. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? Uh, the book that I just did probably most impacted me, it's actually out in a book now. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Uh, and you notice my gritty answer earlier on a leader is, um, and the book is actually relatively, um, I think she put it out a year or two ago. And I started with this topic probably 15 years ago when it was just in research phase, but I recommend that book to anybody. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Yeah, the one thing I would love people to do, and it gets to the body of work that I've been doing the last couple of years since I left public company life, and that is really intentionally leveraging the wisdom of others. And just real quick, what is your favorite way to do that? Is it by discussing with people? Is it reading their work? What are some of the best and fastest ways that you found or maybe most effective ways you found to do that? Yeah, we and we've actually built a whole process around it. But I, I say it's uh, the steps to follow are number one, you got to define the destination. If you know where you're going, um, which sounds simple, a lot of people don't. But, but we like to draw what I call learning ecosystem with the destination in the middle. And then I challenge people to actually break that destination down. And what are the two, three at max four things that you really need to know that you have to have deep wisdom. And I, I define wisdom as an intersection of both knowledge and experience. And so what are the three or four buckets of wisdom that you need to have to actually get to that destination? So it's kind of an honest conversation with yourself or your team. And once you understand what those three or four things are, then I would recommend you have an intentional process around finding the people that have actually done those things. Uh, there are people out there with wisdom and virtually everything that we need to go do. And so then you go find them and then you've got to intentionally extract that from them. And again, lots of ways to do that. But but this is a this is not networking. It's not a social gathering. It's a very intentional way to go gather that wisdom quickly. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I'm probably more of a why not camp. I think it's a really interesting way to uh, to pose this, but um, in terms of just general life, I'm probably more more of a why not? And and I look at it in a lot of vectors, right? Why, why not try something, right? Why not pick my company or organization to go do stuff? Um, I'm probably more of a why not person. All right. Well, Craig, we are here today to talk about your leadership insight and the wisdom you have to share with us, but also the sure. wisdom you've learned from other people. And before we get into some of those things and even some of the things you've teased already, I'd love to hear a little bit about your career and really how you began to see the necessity and the value of learning from the wisdom of other people. 
Yeah, sure. No, and, and my career actually from a work-life perspective is pretty straightforward, Josh, because I worked for the same company for 27 years. Um, a little bit unusual in today's standards, I would say. I get some funny looks when I, when, particularly when I do talks and I mention that. They're like, how did that happen? And, and so I literally grew up in an organization that went through a lot of change, a lot of acquisitions, a lot of um, you know, mergers, things that, that normally drive people away. And somehow I, I survived all that and then had the good fortune uh, the last 12 years I was with the company, it was called Assurant, um, as serving as the, the CEO. And it's, I think it's really along the way as I kept getting new opportunities, uh, which I was always super grateful for that if, if we did well, we tended to get in the organization new opportunities. And that's when I started to to, to percolate over this idea of how to use other people's wisdom is I found it very challenging when I was put in a new role, particularly all the way into the CEO role. I mean, there's really no, (laughs) there's no specific playbook on how to be a CEO one day and you wake up and you walk into work and that's your job. And that's probably the inflection point for me when I was able to look up and say, I don't really know. I don't have the knowledge and experience, again, sort of how I define wisdom. And a lot of these things I'm now being asked to do. And, and guess what? They're pretty darn important because I'm running the whole company now. And that's when I became a, a little bit obsessed with this idea of how could I go extract this wisdom from other people? Because guess what? I'm not the first person to have that job. And there's got to be people that could help me with those various components. And it became a real game changer for me as, as I got into the topic and, and really is what led me when I decided to leave public company life a few years ago when I turned 55. It was really this passion that led me to do that and to build a, a whole advisory practice around this idea of wisdom. How did you have that lasting power in an organization for so long? Is that <laughs> some people say that it's not really uh, likely that that happens in yeah. today's climate? Do you agree with that, or is it just a different mentality? I do agree with that, and it, and it is unusual. So when I get those funny looks or questions from people, just like you asked, I think it's a fair question because you know most people don't last that long in a company for, and there's a whole host of reasons. And and all I can tell you is I was extremely grateful that I ended up with a company at a young age that, um, and the guy leading it, I think all roads tend to lead back to leadership, is this guy gave me a chance to do stuff that I think most companies wouldn't have and was willing to let me make some mistakes and run businesses at a very young age and and I'm sure do some stuff that was very cringeworthy, but gave me a chance to, um, to really learn that way. And so I just kept my head down and really worked hard at the stuff and I enjoyed it. I loved leading people at a very early stage in my career, a young, very young age, and and they just kept giving me more and more opportunities. And I, you know, and the way I look at becoming a CEO, quite frankly, is is again, I never never asked for it. I, I, have, I have one rule that I share with younger folks all the time, which is I just and again, it worked for me, but I never asked for a promotion and I never asked for a raise. I just always believed that if you worked extremely hard and were sincere about executing on what opportunities you've been given, that good stuff would happen. And it did. It just worked out. So they kept giving me more opportunities to answer your question. And they intrigued me more than other things that were out there. And, 
um, you know, you kind of look up and realize I've been there a long time. And then when I got the nod to be the CEO, I mean, I had no idea that that would go on for almost almost 12 years. And and that in itself is pretty unusual to run a big company for that long just doesn't happen. And again, the, the holding company and my board was super supportive and let me let me grow. I let me do a lot of things I was interested in around global expansion, around digital transformation, and um, it just kept fulfilling my needs. And then hopefully I delivered the results that met their needs. Uh, but I but I do agree with you. It's very different today. I mean, if you look at the data, people change jobs, whatever it is, four or five times, usually in the first you know three or four years of their work life. So I do get it that it's a little bit unusual versus the sort of the norm today, if you will. So one of the things you mentioned a second ago is that you began to realize as you hit the CEO position, as you are the top leader, the top dog, that yeah. you needed some insight that you weren't going to necessarily get from anyone above because you were at the top. So you had to look to others for wisdom. But were there any glimmers of that wisdom-based learning, the, the need for it, as you reflect back on earlier parts of your career? Oh, absolutely. And and what I found was, um, and I see this in our practice now, the last three years that I've been doing this, is every time I got promoted to a new opportunity, quite frankly, it's almost like starting over. I mean, if it's a real promotion and you're actually getting, you know, it's not just a title promotion, it's a real promotion. So by definition, we're getting more responsibility. We're getting a broader scope of something or something completely new. That's when it really bothered me. I don't think you know, our, our company probably did better than most, but most companies, there's really no way to prepare people with the wisdom part of that. I mean, we can prepare people with, with general management stuff and behavioral psychology kind of coaching, but the actual practical part of doing that job and doing it well, it's really hard to teach people. So this started bothering me, if you will, very early in my work life because I wanted to jump in and go do stuff extremely well. And, and I'll give you a quick example. It would, when I took over our international group in, in the company, great. I always wanted to do that. I had a real passion for it. But here I'm now running our international division. I don't have one day of experience other than working in the U.S., right? And then you're in a position where you have to grow the international presence. We have to improve the results of the of the global sites we already have. And they pick me because I guess I'd done a good job doing other things, but you start to get the idea. There is a big, what I would call wisdom gap <laughs> in what I did versus what I'm about to go do. And it started to like perplex me. Like, how do I bridge that gap really quickly? Because it's not like I can pause, hit the pause button and go to, go to you know, get a different degree for two years. I got to perform now. So along the way, I became more and more intrigued to this and started intuitively trying to find people, just reach out and find people that had done it and have conversations with them. Um, and actually ask them to be very candid with them, be very humble with them and just say, hey, I'm in this role. I'm doing this. Can you help me with this specific topic? So Actually, before I even started this work that I do now at GXG, I, I, I was very intrigued by this. There's got to be a way to learn from other people more efficiently than we do in most organizations, which is, you know, networking or mentoring programs, all good. But I just felt like there was a better way to do it. And that became a real passion of mine, quite candidly. Was that humility difficult? Was it difficult to admit that you didn't know everything? Or was that something that you've always been okay with admitting? I, I'm I'm probably okay with it, quite frankly, uh, Josh. I mean, I I've just um, 
I've always believed I've been given opportunities that were sort of above what I may have given myself. And I was always been super grateful for that growing up in that company and getting a chance to do this stuff and particularly being CEO. I never looked at it like I deserved it. Again, I tried to work hard, I think got some good results. But for me, the being humble about what I didn't know came pretty naturally. Um, and I will tell you this, and, and, I, and I write about it in, in the book that, we, that we're releasing now because it's so important, which for a wisdom-based learning methodology like we've created to work, the number one criteria is humility. I mean, leaders have to be able to say, again, I'm, go- I'm trying to go to this destination and I simply don't have all of the wisdom to get there. And it's the number one thing that I talk to leaders about before we get involved in any of our work is there has to be a high wisdom quotient, I would call it, among the leader, but also among the team of people that 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 are working on, you know, whatever topic we're going to help them with. It's the number one criteria and it's not always there. So you introed this in some of our introductory questions. Now, I'd like to get to the meat of this. What do we need to know about wisdom-based learning? What are some things that we can begin thinking about so that we as leaders can make sure that we are able to get the tools that we need to spur on our own growth? Yeah, and, and again, we just talked about rule number one, Josh. I mean, the first step in in sort of activating this type of, of thinking or process is humility. Got to have the humility to not just say we're going to accept outside wisdom, but that we actually mean it. And, um, and most people do. I'll be, I'll be candid with you. I, I get this question a lot is like, wow, especially when you work with CEOs, aren't there egos and all this? I'm like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, and they have to be for a publicly a little bit tough or whatever, but boy, you get to the heart of the matter. And I find there's, there's, there's pretty good humility in, in most people, but that's step number one. The second piece, I mentioned it earlier, you, I, I push very hard. We have to define the destination. I mean, that sounds simple, simple, but it's shocking to me how many companies and how many divisions within companies don't have clarity around the destination, right? And you can call it strategy work and all the big, you know, strategy firms, you know, spend a lot of time and effort and money on this. But I just want to very simply boil down what the destination is. And then the third step is, again, we have to draw this. It's a cool, fun exercise. Just draw a picture. And I, and I encourage people to do it themselves. And if you think about the ecosystem construct, just put your destination in the middle and then be candid about if I'm going to do digital transformation for the company, let's say that's a destination and we know what that looks like. Okay. Just be candid. What are the buckets of things you have to be really good at to get to that destination? And then you can score yourself. I mean, you can literally score yourself and say, okay, if you buy into my definition of wisdom, which is knowledge and experience, and I'll look at my team, just look at my team of people, right? What is our score on that bucket, right? So let's pick one. So if data, data analytics is one of the topics, pretty important bubble in digital transformation as an example. So if I take that, what does what my team score on wisdom in terms of knowledge and experience? You know, are we a 70, 80? Are we at 100%? And what you'll see if you do that exercise you can picture this ecosystem sort of filling up with these percentages, these probabilities of, wow, we can go actually execute those pieces. And when we do this, I've done this literally hundreds of times the last three years with all kinds of cool companies. That number, if we're really honest, and this is a new new destination, usually is pretty low. It's usually 60% or lower. 
right? And that's a shocking thing for people to go through that we've got this very important destination. And based on the knowledge and experience within our own walls, there's only about a 60% chance we're going to get there. And what's interesting is then companies tend to wonder, you know, why am I struggling with this? Why couldn't I get to this destination? Why? And I'm like, well, you just don't have the wisdom. And, and so that, that awareness on, on, on what we're missing is super critical. And then there's just lots of ways to go find wise people. And the word I use, though, is you have to be intentional about it. Now, we've obviously developed a process to go do that. It's one of our secret sauces, if you will, as a business model. But anybody can go do it, right? I mean, there, there's just so much out in social media and LinkedIn and other mechanism associations, trade groups. But you have to be very intentional Right. So if I need that data analytics wisdom, that's what I have to go look for. And after you've identified it, you have to be very sincere about how you approach people, right? How you explain what it is you're looking for. And then there's this thing called reciprocity that there's a lot written about now. And I'm a big fan of it. (laughs) You have to practice reciprocity. If you help me with that wisdom, I'm going to work relentlessly to help you as well. And this spirit of reciprocity really is alive and well, and it's a very real thing. Now, we take all of that and we've built, obviously, process around it in a very systematic way to go do what I just described, but you can do it yourself. And and that's really my passion is to share with people the output of this is shocking how fast you can actually acquire that wisdom that you don't have to move the needle towards your new destination. So that's uh, my short version of of how I recommend folks um, attack wisdom-based learning. So when it comes to this wisdom-based learning, you were talking about some of the elements to consider when you're doing this with a team. Yeah. When you work with clients, do they tend to be businesses and teams or do you work with individuals as well? Yeah, both. So for us, I've always looked at, at organizations as two pieces. We have individuals that then make up the team. So We work with people one-on-one. It's kind of my version of coaching, if you will, but it's really more than behavioral sort of science-based coaching. It adds this element of wisdom, which is an ecosystem. If you picture Josh in the middle, okay, if you're the client in the middle and you want to be the CEO of X company, then we're just going to do the same exercise. We're going to break down those bubbles for you. Well, what does Josh need to know? What is the wisdom you're lacking to do that job? And then we populate it with people that have that wisdom, and then we activate the conversations to transfer it. So take the individual now, collection of individuals as the organization. So we do the organizations in a board format. So it's an advisory board format where in the middle of the board table is that destination you're trying to achieve. Could be global expansion. It could be AI. It can be RPA work. It can be anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me, but the destination has to be in the middle. And then if you picture a board table, we're actually building the wisdom around the table. So the seats at the table represent those learning gaps, those wisdom gaps that your team has. And so two really cool things happen. One, there's these outside wise people are helping you get to the destination, but at the same time, they're teaching the people within the organization that same wisdom. So it's kind of a two for one deal. You're getting both. You're going to make, you're going to move the needle to get to the destination, but we're also going to, you're going to teach the people that don't have the wisdom. And, and here's the punchline. We trademarked um, this thing called rapid cycle learning. The reason I call this rapid cycle learning is this is the way we were supposed to learn. 
we were supposed to learn really hard things from super wise people one-on-one or in small groups. And for whatever reason, I think we've gotten away from that. So the whole business model, if you will, uh, is kind of a throwback to the beginning of education. This is how we were supposed to learn. And that's why it works so well and it works so fast. I mean, you can, you can, you can extract somebody's wisdom actually very quickly in a facilitated intentional format. It doesn't take days and weeks and months like we've been trained to think about traditional education. So talk to me a little bit about that. You said we were supposed to learn in a one-on-one or small group settings. That's definitely a philosophical statement right there. It's one that I would tend to agree with, but could you talk to us a little bit more about that statement? Yeah, I mean, if you just go, go back and look at the history of education, uh, and again, whether you like uh, you know, traditional history or, or biblical history, um, it all collides together around the learning topic, which is the original teaching was done typically face-to-face, one-on-one, right? Or one to a small group of people. So the wise people actually taught people that didn't have the wisdom. I mean, that, that is a, that's just documented history. And then as education progressed all the way up through forming these things called higher education, and now what we would call universities and colleges, uh, we sort of started making up the format. And, and I always ask people this. It, it's, it's a trick question to, in a degree. But do you know why we have four, why does it take four years in the U.S. to get a college degree? Because they just made it up. So we started to condition people. It takes a long time to learn stuff, and it actually doesn't. So the way I look at it is I actually have history on my side as we do these engagements because it's so much fun for me to see leaders that are stuck, and I use this term over and over, stuck and unstuck. When leaders are stuck on a particularly hard topic or a hard destination, it's so much fun for me when I bring the wisdom in the room from these other people. It's so much fun to see them get unstuck in such a, a, a condensed period of time. It's kind of mind-blowing, actually, and, and it's fun for me. That's why I'm doing this. So if you're talking to a younger leader, someone who's getting started in their career pretty early on, and they want to seek out this wisdom – but they probably need to bootstrap it for now. Assuming their organization isn't able to help them out, what would be some of your recommended ideas on how to get in front of the right people and get the wisdom that they need to get to the place that they want to get? Yeah, and and so and I love and I love working with the younger generations, including my kids that are in, in that in that group. And and I got an opportunity to speak to some really bright students at Georgia Tech recently. And what I shared with them, Josh, is the intentionality of actually sitting down and every job you have. So take the job you're in today, put yourself in the middle, and then just draw the bubbles of an ecosystem. What are the three or four things in my current job that I need to be really good at to do well in this job? Okay. So that's one ecosystem. The second one is what's the next job you want? Okay. Do you want to have, you know, X next role? Do the same exercise, draw the bubbles, and just have a candid conversation with yourself. So actually score yourself how much and use these two vectors, both knowledge and experience. So how much knowledge and experience do I have in those buckets? And then just pick the ones where it's pretty low. I mean, some of them, even very young new professionals are going to score pretty high on because maybe they've been in a job for two or three years and you've actually acquired quite a bit of knowledge and experience. But there's other parts you're going to score very low. Take those, and then what I encourage you to do, let's say there's one or two of those buckets, 
right? And just to make it super simple and generic, you need to be really good at a part of marketing. So maybe it's, it's, it's direct marketing. And that's something that you score very low on. Then get to work and there's tons of associations and and networking groups that cost nothing. So even as a young professional, you can go get involved, but do it with intention. Do it where you're going to go seek out and find and track them down on LinkedIn and other social media if you need to. But go find some people that are excelling, in this case, in that direct marketing example. And you will be amazed if you ask people in the right way with a lot of humility to help you guess what? They will. People love to help other people. That's that whole spirit of reciprocity. And so I would just encourage you, you can go do this yourself, but take the time to draw the ecosystem, identify, because it can't be everything and it's not everything. It's usually two or three things and do it for your current job. That means you're going to do your current job much better, faster, which means you're going to go to that second ecosystem faster, which is this next job that you actually want. And then as you're doing that, you're doing it for the next job. And so you literally get used to this process. Anybody can do this. So Craig, you have referenced your upcoming book, Unstuck, a couple times already. Could you give us a little bit of an overview? Obviously, it's going to include some of the things we've talked about today. But if someone's interested in purchasing that book down the road, whenever it comes out, what can people expect from that book? Yeah, so I, I really share the whole methodology. Again, I'm, I'm doing this, Josh, at, at sort of my age and stage, if you will. The reason I did this and, and wanted to leave public company life to do something like this was to share these ideas that have really, really helped me. Uh, and in my case, helped me get unstuck. So the book actually is a bit of a tell-all. I mean, I'm sharing the methodology I just shared with you in more detail, um, how to go about identifying your wisdom gaps, how to go finding the wisdom. And, and it's really the title of the book is Unstuck. And the tagline is how to unlock and activate the wisdom of others. So we really give you the process in the book of how to do that. And that's that's what I wanted to share very broadly is there is there is something out there to help you because being stuck in an organization is a pretty miserable feeling. And when I talk to leaders about this, at first they're a little leery, like, you know, I'm, I'm stuck, you know, I don't really want to share that. And once we start opening up a little bit, we're usually stuck on some pretty hard stuff. And it's not something you want to go brag about in a company. I get that. So we wanted to just build a discreet way and a discreet methodology to, to help people. Uh, and it's all in the book. And we have some fun case studies in there. Um, and we reference all throughout the book back to our website. Again, we're, I just wanted to be really transparent with the business model and our case study. The results are just staggering. I think the companies that we've helped over the last three years is, is just some really cool stories that we share as well. Well, Craig, before we finish up today, yeah. are there any things that you would like to reiterate to the audience or maybe something that we didn't get a chance to talk about today that you think would be really important to leave with them? Well, I, I guess, Josh, the, the theme that I've been using, again, what's sort of driving my passion now around this is I think leaders' jobs are really hard. Um, not many people that got an opportunity to do what I did, which was lead a big company, do this kind of work when you're on the backside of it. And so the reason I'm doing it is to share what I think is a very powerful methodology to get unstuck uh, because it's pretty miserable, like I said before. And I think these are really hard jobs. 
jobs, um, much harder than people on the outside realize. So I would leave with that thought that, you know, there's an, uh, just to encourage folks that if you're stuck on some hard stuff, I'd really encourage you to go leverage the wisdom of others. It will get you unstuck faster than any other methodology that I ran across in my 27 years, you know, again, working for a really big company. Uh, so I just would encourage everyone to check it out. It's very different. It's a very different thought process than a lot of traditional education. But for me, it provides great joy to see leaders start to get on the backside of these really hard challenges and kind of bring a smile back on their face. And where can people go to learn more about you, your work, and especially to keep tabs on Unstuck so they know when it comes out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Um, GXG.co C-O is our website. And again, it's super transparent. We share a lot of stuff and a lot of cool case studies on the website and all the book launch stuff will be there as well. All right, Craig, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Josh. If you enjoyed hearing from Craig today, I encourage you to reach out to him and let him know that. You can find his information in the show notes or at lifeasleadership.com slash 097. Now let's go ahead and turn to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. The number one criterion for successful wisdom-based learning is humility. If you want to be able to learn from the wisdom of others, you have to admit, first of all, that you don't know it all, and then be willing to learn from other people. There are other people who have the information, who have the knowledge, who have the wisdom to help you out, but you have to be humble enough to admit it and to be willing to learn from them. The second key takeaway is this. We were supposed to learn really hard things from wise people in one-on-one or small group settings. I thought this was a really interesting insight, and I thought Craig backed it up really well. The thing is that traditionally, that is how education has been done. We've got away from that system, but there are a lot of great opportunities for you to take advantage of that system of learning today. And finally, think of your life as ecosystems. Craig gave the examples of your current job, the job you want in the future. You may be able to think of some other ecosystems, but think about within each of those ecosystems, figure out the knowledge and experience that you need and what areas you're lacking in. Then find people who can help you fill in those knowledge and wisdom gaps so that you can succeed in each of those ecosystems and move to the next ones as appropriate. Now, I hope you'll join us once again later in the week. We're going to be hearing from another coach who decided that to bring about the change that he thought needed to happen in the corporate setting, he actually would have to leave his corporate job. So he left his job and started working one-on-one with executives. He has some good leadership insight to share. So I hope you will join us once again later this week. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive 
or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.